and you may have a seat. And if you want to find your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're just walking our way through this book, and we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. So good to see each of you here. You know, every day around the world, millions and millions of people, in order for them to actually function, they need a caffeine infusion, okay? They, uh, it usually comes in the form of coffee, but it could, there's other energy drinks in other ways, and just even Coca-Cola or whatever Mountain Dew, it'll get you through, whatever you're needing. Uh, you need a caffeine infusion. Some of you, you don't actually even talk to others before you've had your first cup of coffee, and that's kind of like an understood policy. You don't have to put your hand up like you're in that category, but we understand it. Um, and kind of how it works, I mean, coffee is pretty broad, what is free at the place where you buy your tires, uh, you can pay three plus more dollars to get at one of your coffee shops. And the longer the title, the more the money, okay? Coffee, $3. More things, uh, more ingredients, longer title, more money, okay? And coffee, though, works this way. You take hot water, uh, preferably it's filtered water, not like something that you're just running through your garden hose, okay? And you run it through crushed up coffee beans. And that hot water, as it comes in contact with those coffee beans, uh, why that water then takes on the distinct characteristics of that coffee. It's flavor. In fact, the more contact the hot water has with the ground up coffee beans, the bolder, the stronger the flavor is of your coffee. And that's how it works. And I'm telling you this because in a very similar way, God's people are to take on the flavor and the character of God himself. And what I'm about to tell you is we could refer to it as our Bible blend parable, okay? And that is because the hot water of our life is to then pass through the, the word of God and as it does, as our life comes in contact with his word, through the working of his spirit, we're to take on the flavor of Christ, his character, to grow in his strength, to represent him, to know him, to fuel and to feed our soul. It has always been this way, because God is a God of revelation, and he intends to bring transformation through his revelation. And he does so as our lives are in contact with his word. And the passage we're going to look at today, why it's of critical importance. In fact, what you do with this passage, how it influences your life to the degree that you put this into practice is the degree that your life will reflect the character, the maturity, and the likeness of God himself. And so if your life has very little contact with God's word, you hear like a Bible verse maybe here and there every once in a while. Um, I want you to know that, yeah, yes, you know Jesus, your coffee, but real coffee, bold, full of flavor, it's meant to be saturated with the truth of God, right? And that's why this text is so very important. And you're asking, well, how does God's word really bring transformation to our lives? This is the text that'll tell us. And the first thing it does, and we'll see this in verse 15, is that it is fueling our faith, specifically in Christ. So just to kind of once again recap where we're going here, the Apostle Paul is writing a final letter. Shortly before he's executed, he is in the Roman Mamaterium prison, 
and he is writing to a, his protege, Timothy, who is a pastor in the church of Ephesus, and he's struggling and going through some pretty strong difficulties. And so Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this letter, and he calls to mind his role and the influence of God's word in his life, how the scriptures has fueled his faith. And he says, actually, in verse 14, you, however, continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And like we saw last week, it's not that you are understand or you know about the truth. You've, you've learned them, but what, he's, what is he saying? You are to become convinced of. This means that your will has been challenged. These are your convictions. It's not just something you like, yeah, I, I think that's true. No, I live this way. I believe it. I own it. And he says, you have learned this from when? Verse 15, and that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You see that? When did Timothy have the opportunity of learning the scriptures? From childhood. And like we saw, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Do you remember? These are the ones that have this sincere faith. They are the ones who taught him the word of God. And Timothy was of an extremely privileged position. And that is from a very early age, he had, in his case, a grandmother and a mother who loved him and loved God and taught him the scriptures, the word of God. And the word of God actually fuels our faith. It it teaches us, and notice what he says in verse 15, they are able to give you the wisdom that leads to to faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The sacred writings, that's how uh, Jewish, uh, Greek-speaking Jews, that's how they referred to the Old Testament. The Hebrew scriptures, the sacred writings. And what they do is they show us the greatness and the grandeur of God, the God of revelation. And they point out our need for relationship with God, our sinfulness. We see it described, demonstrated. Uh, We see all these narrative accounts. And there are all these promises about a Messiah, one who will take away our sins, one who will take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, who will infuse us with the Holy Spirit of God, one who will come in the line of David. And there's all these promises, about 330 of them by one account, pointing to one individual, a God-man, the Messiah, the anointed one. You see, the scriptures fuel our faith in who? What does it say in verse 15? Faith in Christ Jesus There is salvation in no one else but him. It's not like you just need to show up at church, you need to have a Bible, you need to understand certain things, try to follow the Ten Commandments. Relationship, salvation, relationship with God comes through faith in Christ Jesus. And how do you understand who Christ is? How do you have your faith fueled? It is through the sacred writings. It's the word of God. And we see this beautifully demonstrated uh, after Jesus' resurrection. Remember, after they crucified him, they buried him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. And you remember that there were two individuals making their way to a place called Emmaus. And as they're walking, another came. 
and their eyes were prevented from recognizing that it was indeed the resurrected Jesus Christ. And it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, that this is what took place. Then beginning with Moses, okay, this speaks of the first five books of the Bible, and with all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. That is one walk I absolutely would have loved to have been a part of. Can you imagine having Jesus, the eternal Son of God, explaining all of the Old Testament and how it points to him, how he is the fulfillment of every promise, the deliverer, the Messiah. And when you look at the early church, and the history of the early church is the book of Acts, you will find this exact same pattern. What are they doing? They are showing how the Old Testament scriptures point to one, the Messiah, and how Jesus Christ is indeed, and that's what the word Christos means, anointed. That's what anointed one, just what Messiah means, anointed one, how Jesus is the fulfillment. And as the scriptures are taught, conviction of sin takes place. The wonders and the glory of Christ are presented. And guess what happens? God, through his supernatural ways and the working of his spirit, he brings us to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Friends, this is how the gospel goes forth. It goes forth through his word. And as the word goes out and people see who God is and who they are and the wonders of Jesus, faith, faith in him. And how is that faith fueled? It's from the word of God. I say this personally. Being in the Bible brings renewal. And for me, like I desperately need this. It seems like all the pressures and the troubles and the difficulties. I mean, like, they're innumerable. And the things that I don't fully understand, or I'm not sure why is it going this way. And it's so easy to get just locked into the horizontal. And, and furthermore, we're kind of like trained, like, you just need to work hard and make these things happen and get things done. And I need my heart replenished and revived with truth. Truth about me, truth about God, who Jesus is. And that's what the scriptures do. The scriptures fuel our faith. And every time, and that's for me, that's why it has to be daily, at least. Sometimes, multiple times, the more time I can spend in the word, the more I find that my faith is fueled into this relationship with Jesus. And that's what God's word is intended to do. It's to fuel our faith. But also notice in verses 16 and 17, it is to guide our growth. Notice what he says here, and this, by the way, this is the most significant sentence in all of the New Testament about what the Bible is. Notice what he says, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. So notice he referred to the sacred writings in verse 15, uh, speaking of the Old Testament. Now he says all scripture. This encapsulates all of the New Testament as God was moving through the apostles and their close associates to have the word of God written down, the New Testament. He's saying all scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired literally means breathed out. You see, the scriptures 
are literally from the breath of God. It is very much calling to mind the imagery of the creation account that we find in the Hebrew scriptures, specifically Genesis 1 and 2. Do you remember that God fashioned and created Adam? But Adam was just this formation of molecules and bones and flesh, but it was God who breathed life into Adam, and Adam became a living being. By the way, this shows us that humanity is distinct from the animal kingdom. We're not just one of the animals. We didn't evolve from apes. I want you to know that humanity is unique because you and I, every single person, we are made in the image of God. And not only is humanity made in God's image, but God gave humanity life. He breathed into him and gave him life. And with that same imagery, that is what has happened with the word of God. God has given us the divine expression of his character, of his ways, of his truth, of who he really is, what life is really about, all of eternity. It's given to us in his word. And so when he talks about inspiration, these are not inspired people. It's not like, well, Paul was inspired, or Peter was inspired, or Jeremiah, they're just inspired. No, it's their writings that were inspired. It is the working of the Holy Spirit where men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And what God did is he actually used their life experiences, their personality, their historical and cultural context. He used how they thought, their minds, their talents, their language, their writing style, and he had them write exactly what he wanted. And you, so what you find over a 1,500-year period of time, you have 40 different authors, and they come from a variety of backgrounds, from shepherds and sheepherders to kings. And what God did is he had them write exactly what he would intend. Everything that we know about what the Bible says about itself, about humanity, about God, sin, life, death, history, science, every other subject, it is absolutely true. The Bible records everything accurately, even the lies and the wickedness of men and women. I want you to know that that record is 100% accurate. And God has given us his word to fuel our faith and to guide our growth. In fact, if you want to see how does this word actually fuel our faith and guide our growth, well, look what he says in verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable, meaning beneficial for teaching. So everything that you and I need to know for all matters of life and faith, God has given it to us in his word. In fact, if you don't have the scripture in your life, you can't develop correctly. It's kind of like this. If you never learn how to read, you will never reach your full potential. You'll never be able to fully develop your mind just because you will lack the exposure of, of the knowledge that's out there. Same is true when it comes to the Word of God. And God's Word is profitable for teaching. It's also profitable for reproof. That has the idea of confronting wrong belief or wrong behavior. As you're in the word of God, the spirit of God then actually will confront where you're believing incorrectly. You have wrong understanding of who God is or, or his ways. But it'll also address behavior. And, and that's just by how it works. 
and he brings reproof, and then he brings correction. You see that? It's profitable for correction. It has the idea of restoring to a right condition. It's not just that, the God, that God confronts us with our, where we're off track or our evil behavior, but he corrects, he sets it in place, he puts it and restores it into a right condition. And so it's like this, reproof shows us our sinfulness, but correction brings us to a place where we're, we're straight, where we're going as God intended. And then uh, furthermore, notice what else it says. The scriptures are profitable for training in righteousness to guide us how to truly live, how to walk with God. You see, it's not like, well, all the scripture does is kind of like trying to teach you how to drive by forcing you to look in your rearview mirror so you see what's behind you. Actually, God's word trains us for righteousness. It shows us how to live. And that's what God intended. The, The word here in Greek, it's where we get our word pedagogy, This is to train a child from being like a child to a mature adult. That's what the Word of God does. It equips us for every good work. It trains us in the ways we should go. In fact, he says, verse 17, that the man of God may be adequate. You see that? Verse 17, equipped for every good work. Now, when you hear the word adequate, you're like, hmm. Because adequate, the word in English, just kind of falling on hard times. Originally, it meant equal to the task, okay? But unfortunately, it's kind of like, well, kind of barely capable, like mediocre. Like, I'm pretty sure that none of you on your CV or your resume, you put down, I am adequate in the following. Do you do that? No, right? Because we want to be proficient, qualified, right? That's what it is. And the word originally meant equal to the task, You see, that's what God's word will do. God will use his word to make you equal to the task, adequate, equipped for every good work. And that's what God fully intends, that you and I live lives that are manifesting the character of God. It's being displayed in even the tiniest of good works and how we relate to people and how we go about our jobs and how we think and our morals and the ethics that we hold, the decisions that we make, the efforts of service and kindness, showing love and care and concern, whether they be for the poor or someone in need. I want you to know this is what we're designed for, to represent God to this world to know the goodness of God, not just to be able to sing about it, but to know it personally. And how does that happen? Why it happens through us being equipped through the word of God. You see, you and I, we take on the flavor of whatever is passing through our life, right? So I want you to think about, just like maybe this past week or the last two weeks, what's really been passing through your life? What really influences you? What is it that, where do you find your thinking shaped on different matters? What is infusing your life with strength and vitality? Where do you find your sense of hope and identity? What, what do you call entertainment? Hey, this is my time, right? So I'm going to have my time on my phone or my TV. I'm going to flip this computer. I'm going to watch this. What is it? 
that you're flavoring your life with. And if you'd be embarrassed, like, oh man, I certainly wouldn't want anyone to know that this is the predominant kind of influence in my life. I'll just say this. If you're taking in a lot of filth, what did you expect? What did you expect your life to look like? Because after all, whatever is flowing through your life, (laughs) it's going to come out. What is shaping your mind and your heart? It's going to come out in your words and your way of life. And that is why God has given us his word. You see, when you and I are in the scriptures, whether it be just, we're like just reading a passage, reading a chapter this day, this day maybe we're going to read a book of the Bible and, and the time that we're in it, the scriptures function like an aquifer. It brings about like purification. Like, like all that garbage and stuff, it's like, this is unholy. And you have a sense of conviction from the Holy Spirit, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I really don't think I should be engaging in this sort of behavior or saying these sort of things or just thinking about these things. And when they do, these thoughts come into my mind. I need to be much quicker running to Jesus and getting help and hope versus just saturating my life with this. The scriptures are like an aquifer, but at the same time, being in the word of God, it fortifies our faith. It reminds us who God is. It sets our sights on eternity, the character of God. We're not hopeless. God is with us. There is strength. He gives us direction in our, in our relationships. I mean, like, just think about it. Like, if your marriage right now is like a cold war zone, it's a disaster. Well, you know, God starts with you. And so you take in God's word and you find out, wow, the scriptures actually have some really important things for me to say and what to do and to think and how to live. And he actually gives me the strength to do these things. And so you start doing it. And your marriage might change. You can't control others, but you can be faithful with what God has given you. And he's given us his word. And this is true in every arena, in your relationships at home, how you go about your work, how you function in the body of Christ, in our church, in our community. It's how the word of God is meant to equip us, to make us fit for the task of what he's called us. I'll also tell you this. If you don't have a regular intake of God's word, likely you've become anemic. You lack the iron, the strength. And so what happens when we're anemic, our faith begins to falter, our love becomes rather timid, We no longer are courageous. Pretty soon we become confused. We despair. We're easily distracted. We're allured by the things of this world. I want you to know this happens on a regular basis. But what the scriptures do is they keep pointing us back to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And it fuels our life, and it guides our growth. And I know that it's, it's real common to take this book, the Bible, and to start cutting into pieces and shredding, and we're going to pick and choose, or we've got some scholars, and they've kind of decided that this really isn't the word of God. I mean, after all, like a supernatural book from God? You've got to be kidding me. No, 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 these are a collective of very meaningful religious writings. And you need to take our take, and we need to reinterpret this. Uh, in fact, we can come to conclusions that are the exact opposite of what the clear teaching of Scripture says, and we do it all in the name of scholarship. And there are people that say, and this is the new Christian teaching, and people buy into that, Let me just tell you something. This book, the Bible, this book is from God. And when you mess with it, you cut it apart, you pick and choose, you say, well, I'm not going to believe that. I want you to know, when you start cutting up the scriptures, 
you are assaulting the character of God himself because he gave us this word. For what reason? For our joy and delight in Christ, for the equipping of the saints, to do the work of the ministry. And the focal point of the Bible is Jesus himself. You see, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God to accomplish the work of God in our lives. You see, godliness is never produced apart from God's Word. Do you really want to be a man or woman of God? I mean, is that an aspiration for you? And if you're a Christian and you know Jesus, you're like, absolutely. He's my joy, my delight, my forgiveness, my Savior, and my eternity. I want you to know how we grow and become men and women of God it's through his word. Sanctification can never be divorced apart from scripture. You can't just tear it apart. You need scriptural truth. And so the next time you have a cup of coffee, in fact, you might even have one in your hand now. Who knows? Every once in a while, as you're thinking about that, hmm, this is really good flavored water, coffee flavored water, just remember, God wants that for our life. Jesus loving, God honoring, scripture saturated life the flavor, the character of God himself. Friends, that's where the sweetness and the richness of relationship is. That's when we put God's character on display. See, transformation comes from knowing and living out God's revelation. And just like parents are just so eager and will invest everything to see their children grow up and to become fully mature. I mean, we're, we want to see them fully mature physically, emotionally, relationally, socially, spiritually. And we give ourselves. It is the reason probably why we need to have so much caffeine in our life because we're so tired pouring into our kids, right? And I can see some of you and you're like, oh man, if you only knew, right? But why do we do that? Because we love our children. It is worth the sacrifice. You will never regret the investments that you make in your children. I want you to know God is in the exact same way. You and I, when we came to know Jesus, you know what he did? He adopted us into his family. He actually made us children of God by virtue of our eternal united relationship with Jesus and the sealing and the infusing of his Holy Spirit into our lives. And God fully intends to bring us to maturity. And just like parents, you know, like, we celebrate growth when we see it in our children, like, yes, this is great. We're so grateful. And when we see, you know, the one or two or three steps backwards, right, and that is normal parenting, you're like, oh, God, and we're praying, and we're like, Lord, please help us. I need wisdom. This is way beyond me. I'm pulling whatever hair I have left out. I'm just, this is hard, right? I want you to know that God is very committed to our growth, so committed that he's given us his spirit and his scripture. And this is how growth happens. And so if you want to understand just like how does growth take place, uh, I want to give you this illustration. I call it the maturity tree. It depicts the ongoing process of spiritual maturity. Now, I, we're all familiar with trees a little bit and how they grow. And as I look around, I see a couple of you, you're experts. In fact, you make your living with trees. So, you know, you really got this. But let me just explain to you how this works. It also, uh, you know, like we have to actually start our relationship with Jesus. So until you come to a place where you are placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you not only not recognize your sin, but you also see the need in your life, this void, this God-shaped void. You've tried to fill it with so much 
other, so many other things and so many things that have caused wreckage and hurt and just, it's like it's a void. It's unsatisfying. You come to Jesus, the Savior, the one who forgives you, the one who fills you, and you begin a relationship with him. It is like a seedling. And that seed, all of a sudden, a root just, whoop, it just pops out, and it's established, and there is life and growth. And that's how it is in our life. There has to come a time where we begin. We begin, we have a new birth. And God knows when initial faith becomes saving faith. We, it's not really important to know, like, when that happened. Like, I precisely remember this day, that minute. It's to know that it has happened, that you are truly trusting Christ. So it begins with, first of all, then becoming a Christian, like you're a seedling. And then what happens is, then the roots start growing. You're growing in your relationship with Christ, and you do it in knowing God and his word. So what happens is the roots start growing. These are stabilizing roots, and they're drawing nutrients and water from the soil, okay? And so as the roots grow, then the plant begins to emerge and develop. It starts off like just almost like a, almost like a blade of grass. I mean, it is really fragile, right? But the roots start growing in knowing God and his word. And you see what God and his word do? Why? They develop our comprehension. Do you remember that? Like, you remember you saw that in verse 15? Teaching, our understanding of, of life. It starts with understanding. But then there are convictions, reproof and correction, our beliefs, our attitudes, our, our values. They're shaped by the scripture, and our convictions are lived out. That's our conduct. You see, what we believe starts driving how we behave. It's our behavior that's demonstrated. That's the training in righteousness that God is doing. So it's knowing God and his word. The more that's taking place, it's like the roots are developing. And God wants you to establish an immense root system, to know him deeply, fully, to experience his joy, to know the greatness of his character, to be in awe of God, to be a worshiper of him, to worship him in spirit and truth. But I want you to know that there is a barrier to maturity, a barrier to maturing in Christ. To use our tree example, it's like toxic soil. You ever been out on the farm? You know where the fuel tanks are? You drive up those tractors there in your trucks, right? And there's fuel, and sometimes like, you dump fuel there, and, and this is where all that gas and all that diesel is there. If there are any plants around the fuel tank, they are super sickly looking, right? They're like barely there, right? And you're like, makes sense. All this gasoline and that diesel and the oil that we just poured all over there, it's rise than anything can make it, right? Anything's alive here. I want you to know that you and I, even as believers in Christ, we can go back to the toxic soil that we once lived in. And if you're like, well, what, what kind of toxic soil is that? He actually describes it in 1 John 2.16. It's the world. It's values, idols, rewards, ideals. It's where we lived. You, you can go back to that. In fact, the world is beckoning you. Okay, enough of this Jesus bit, all right? You put Christianity aside. That could be a Sunday-only sort of thing for you. You come back the world, its values, its ideals. And then, of course, we have the flesh, which is the personal drives within us that are not yielded to the lordship of Jesus. And so, like, whoa, we have this struggle. Like, our flesh wants to do what is wrong, to not walk with God, to not yield to him. 
It's like built in. It is a struggle. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 7. He even says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And then, of course, there's the devil himself. And he is sophisticated. And he is alluring. And he will go, if you, if you want to do intellectual, he can do intellectual with you. You want to be all about emotions and heart? Oh, he's a master at those things. Anything to get you into the toxic soil where you are sickly and you really don't grow and mature. I want you to know that if, you're, if your roots are kind of going into that toxic soil, it's going to have an effect on your life. You won't develop. It might explain a lot of what's going on if you're really struggling. But God wants us to grow. And it's, I want you to know the beauty of the gospel is that, you know, we can never be separated from Christ. In fact, it says in 1 John 1, 9, listen to this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is that? God wants us to be clean, holy, to know his love. I mean, we all make mistakes. We all sin. We all miss the mark. That's what the word sin means. God wants that ongoing cleansing back to him, back to life, done with the toxic soil, growing in the deep riches of his word and relationship with him. And as we're doing, you know what happens then? The character, our character, it's like the trunk. It begins to grow and emerge. It starts off, it's like really fragile, right? But you know, over time, as those roots keep growing and they bring in this nutrient and water, guess what? That trunk develops. The trunk of a tree is like our character. You see, as you and I are spending time with God and his word, we're growing. It's a process. Our character begins to develop. And when we talk about character, we're looking at like our convictions, our beliefs, our attitudes, our values, but also our behavior, how we live, how we make decisions, how we operate, what we think about, and how we act upon what we're thinking. Our decisions to invest ourselves, to be involved in the many good works that God fully intended us to be in. I want you to know our character grows, but it all gets started with those roots and our relationship with Jesus, which then leads to maturing in one's relationship. And, you know, just like a tree, so you have a trunk, but it's not just a trunk. Those trunk, from that trunk come out these branches, right? And from those branches come leaves and all abundance of fruit. And if you think about like a tree, those branches, you see our relationship with Jesus, our characters develop, why that character of knowing Christ, it gets manifested like in our relationships with people. Whether you're married or not, friends, family, co-workers, the people in the body of Christ, our church, people in the community, people around the world. You see, our relationships are influenced, changed, because we're changed. We respond differently. We learn to love. We learn to get over our pride and arrogant issues. We, we develop humility. I develop a concern and a care for others. It's God at work. In fact, what Jesus is doing through his word, he's making us and shaping us to look like him. That's why we keep reading the gospel accounts. It's like, this, this is what God intends for all of us to look like. And so our relationships begin to change, and we bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why they begin demonstrating in our life, they're manifested because of our relationship with Jesus. But there's also then branches that show up in 
in the character of Christ in our, our ministry or our career. And I challenge you to think of your life as your ministry. You know, God gives us opportunities to serve him, whether that be as a homemaker or you're out in the, in the business world, you have a job. You know that God has gifted you. He's given you opportunities, skills, education, experience, gifts, so that you will, in your position, wherever it might be, you are actually demonstrating and manifesting the character of God. God gives us jobs so that we'll be able to provide for ourselves, to put a roof over our head, to put meals on the table, perhaps to provide for our families. But I want you to know it's more than that. It's so we have even finances to invest in his kingdom purposes. And it's in our jobs. I tell you, well, that's where the rubber meets the road. We put the character of Jesus on display. We are salt of the earth, light of the world. And God puts himself on display through his people who are shaped and developed by his word and living in relationship with his son. You know, just like an oak tree produces like thousands and thousands of trees, uh, oak, uh, little oak trees, like little oak acorns, right? I mean, they're just like, they're just falling off, okay? Like my yard is full of them, okay, at times. It's just like, where do these all come from? I mean, you just look, these are massive trees in my front yard. I want you to know that's God's full intent. We're just abundantly bearing fruit through relationship with him, being shaped and flavored by his word. And I want you to know that a fully mature tree is majestic from its roots to its fruit. Like, if you saw, let's just take a look at that tree right there. Wow. Unbelievable. It's just kind of like, that is something. See how massive that tree is? Let me tell you what you don't see. You don't see the roots. Because what you see above ground is what's taking place underneath, the, in the ground. What you don't see. You see the tree, but you only see part of it. What makes for a majestic tree is the deep roots, deep, stabilizing roots. Can handle storms, strength, finding nutrients everywhere, bringing in all sorts of water, and the tree flourishes. And the same is true for us. You and I, we flourish in God's grace as we're drawing the nutrients from God's word. We're being watered and washed by the purity of the water of the word. His spirit is infusing us. And friends, it is majestic to behold a believer who has maturity in Christ. And you're like, well, how do you fill and flavor your life with God's word? Here's some ways. Hear it preached. Not just stories about the Bible. We're talking in the word. You are learning the truth of scripture. Read and reflect on it regularly. Listen to it, study it, apply it. And if you really want to learn it, teach it. Because the teacher always learns the most. And at Fellowship, our vision is this. To be a life-giving, disciple-making church that is growing deep and reaching out. Growing deep in knowing God and his word and reaching out to the very ends of the earth with the gospel for the glory of God. You see, it's like Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He said this, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which does its work in you who believe. Do you? 
Years ago, I was given this poem. It's written anonymously. It's about the Bible. On different occasions, I, I pick it up and I read it. It's become very meaningful to me. The Bible is God's book, and I want to share it with you. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, its design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you here in this life, will be opened at the judgment, and is established forever. It involves the highest responsibility. We reward the greatest labor and condemns all who trifle with its contents. It is the book of books, God's book, the revelation of God to man. You know, at this time, uh, I've been really looking forward to this. I have the privilege of having you meet two people literally from the other side of the world who are joining us today. And I want you to hear just a little bit about their story, but also to hear about the role God's Word has had in their life. I think all of you know that we uh, are partnered up to invest in the lives of the Banjara Indians. And we team up with Srinivas Naik, uh, Global Banjara Baptist Ministries International. And we have been for years uh, actively sponsoring students at this school, which is like this oasis in the desert. But we also are involved in training and developing pastors all throughout India who are reaching out to the Bajara Indians. And this morning, we have two who are affiliated with this school who are with us this morning. And so I'd like to you to welcome uh, DJ, and are you coming up here then? And also Manjala. Oops. So, can you welcome them? So, yeah, you're right there. So, okay, so we have Vijay and Manjala, and they are here. Uh, they are actually studying in the United States. So, I'd like you just to take a minute. Would you just share a little bit about your story and the school and what God's doing in your life? So, Vijay, you want to start first? Hello, everyone. Uh, how, how are you all? Yeah. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Vijay Kumar Banod. I'm from India, and uh, I came to States uh, to pursue my master's in uh, information technology at Revere University in New Hampshire. So as pastor said, um, uh, they have been uh, giving the support to uh, GBBMI and Alitya Banjara School, and uh, many of the students uh, have been uh, blessed for what uh, the Fellowship uh, Bible Church is doing. Thank you for your uh, support and the love you, show, you shower on Banjara tribe people. 
So today I'm going to share about uh, my uh, relation with uh, ABS. Um, after my 10th grade, I started volunteering at GBBMI and uh, ABS. Personally, I have seen uh, the changes and uh, w changes uh, what uh, happened at school and in children's uh, lives. And Manjula, she's uh, one of the graduates uh, from the school. Now she's um, pursuing her master's here in United States. I praise God for that, that uh, he has been so faithful and blessed uh, the school and brought many blessings uh, in her life and and, and the, in students' lives who are studying at ABS. At ABS, um, they conduct um, the character building course and they focus on uh, communication, uh, English communication, that uh, every student should uh, uh, have that uh, English communication to um, build their life, to study well and go further uh, to achieve their dreams. They provide a good nutritious food and everything what a student's a student need. Um, in Gurraputanda, the way the Alethya Banjara school is there, uh, built, surrounding to that village, uh, there are many villages, they don't know about Christ, but ABS has been a great blessing that uh, they share gospel to the students and uh, uh, to, to many villages surrounding to that. Through ABS, uh, students have learned, uh, they knew about Christ, and uh, they have developed their discipline, uh, Christ-centered life. They have uh, uh, attended Bible studies. Uh, many stories from the Bible has helped them and uh, to have more, like not only just like um, girls uh, in the Banjara tribe, uh, the parents, they won't encourage them much, they have a, dis a discrim discrimination b for boys and girls. They see girls as an investment like uh, after the, they complete their 10th grade or plus two, we have to marry them because uh, we have to spend a lot of money on her. But for boys, they, w they spend a lot of money because if he gets a job, he will take care of the parents. Mm -hmm. So they won't encourage girl-child much to uh, educate them or go further in their life. But Manjula, after coming to ABS, uh, she has she has learned a lot, and the management teachers helped her to achieve her dreams. Mm -hmm. Pastor Srinivas Naik and uh, Sujata uh, Sujata Naik and the uh, ministry and the ABS they have been doing a lot for the students. Students, um, I, I know personally, I have seen um, lots of students have graduated from the school and they are pursuing their computer science and uh, audio, uh, audiologist courses, uh, medical courses, and other courses back in India. Mm. And uh, most of them, they have completed their undergraduation. And they have the desire to come to states and uh, pursue the dream like what Manjula is doing right now. The, the seed, what you all the, have planted, it's a, it has grown a big tree, and uh, you, you are seeing the first fruits of the uh, blessing you have uh, planted at ABS. Mm. So my relationship with ABS have uh, transformed me, and uh, uh, God sp uh, helped me to serve more at ministry and ABS, and help the students uh, to encourage them, uh, like you, you can do more. Uh, if you have anything, you reach out to your uh, uh, teachers, uh, 
and how to study well and uh, not only like just have a dream big and God will help you pray to God surrender all your burdens to Jesus so he will take care of you I had personally have to be with them um, um, mingle with them and play with them and uh, share their stories and li listen to them and um, we um, Pastor Nayak um, when um, he uh, whenever we want to take all the uh, food items from Hyderabad city to Devarakonda um, several times I have been uh, with the team uh, we went to the market and we take all the groceries and uh, all the snacks and um, uh, food for the boarding school students and even for the students who come from their homes they provide the I, as I uh, mentioned they provide the food and uh, meal uh, lunch in the afternoon yeah. this is all um, and um, they, they, they take care of their children like they want to provide the best and uh, even the curriculum uh, Pastor Nayak he take care of the curriculum that everybody should ha have to learn uh, from the cur uh, curriculum not just a regular curriculum they focus on the mathematics uh, English and science uh, um, what other schools like government schools they, they won't provide you much just on state syllabus that will be regular and same for everyone but here at Alethia Banjara school I, I have personally seen that uh, um, oh man I didn't had this kind of schooling back in my age but these uh, children are blessed and there's a lot of hard work and support is going uh, for ABS I, when I think about all that, um, I praise God, but today I got the opportunity to come and uh, say thank you to all the supporters and the sponsors and for Fellowship uh, Bible Church. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to have this right here. So, right on this, right here. Yes, right here. Yeah, okay. Lean back, lean back up just a little bit here. Just so everybody, we can... Yeah, okay. Just so you, we want to make sure everybody can see, especially everybody online that's watching. So maybe you could just share with us your name and a little bit about your background and role with the school, okay? Uh, good morning to everyone. My name is Manjula Naik Barnavat. Uh, I have completed my undergraduation in India, and I have came for U.S. for Master's of Science in Electrical and Computer Engineering at Wichita State University. So uh, I would like to share some experience when I was in a child. So I live in a small village where there were no people are literate. They don't know the importance of the education and also the importance of the Jesus Christ. So uh, before Alethea, there were no school uh, near my village. If there were, but they were not in English medium, they were in Telugu medium. Telugu is a, like, uh, our mother tongue near that village. So uh, Telugu is, uh, like if we learn Telugu medium, it's going to help in that local area. It's not going to help us to uh, do our further education in different countries or different states. So the only uh, school we had is Alitaya Banjara School near my village. So in Alitaya, we used to have the good education and good faculty, including that every Saturday, we used to have the character building classes. In that class, we have uh, the real story of the Bible, like uh, Samuel, David, uh, like uh, how they were uh, in real life. Like uh, we, we used to have the classes like thankfulness, 
faithfulness, how, how we have to, uh, like, uh, heartfulness that uh, we used to learn in our childhood. So, uh, from there, uh, I used to know the Jesus Christ. Uh, from there, I have started believing in him, and I started praying him. I, I, I saw some miracle in my life still here. So, uh, this was the story when Alethea was built, like, uh, not only in school, uh, the nearby villages, the people were also baptized by the school. They came to know about the Jesus Christ. And after the completing my 10th grade there, uh, like, uh, I have started my journey. And also, I recent, uh, one year ago, I have participated in World Cancer Rocketry Championship. Uh, it's uh, held in Serbia. So, and I have built a small satellite and we took the first place there and we won a global special jury award there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is pretty, that's an amazing story because um, Majula, she was about, she should have been in third grade, but apparently she didn't know the difference between a number and a letter. So they started her in kindergarten. When she graduated in 10th grade, she was their valedictorian of their class. Um, and yeah, it's pretty amazing. And and like she said, they went on to an international competition. She was selected to be on a team that represented the country of India, a huge country. And in Russia, uh, with 30 other countries competing, their team took first place. Isn't that awesome? And can you just tell us just a little bit about how the Word of God has shaped your life and relationship with Jesus? Uh, I, I, uh, uh, like I have mentioned before, we every Saturday we used to have the character building classes. From there, uh, like I was believing in Jesus. I am following his words. Like uh, to succeed in life, we just uh, like hard work is not enough for us. We have to trust and have the faith in God and follow his words. And we should listen what uh, reply he is giving when we are praying, praying to the God. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Can we thank them for being with us? Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. You can have a seat. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to transition just to a time of communion, just to thank God and to remember Jesus Christ. So if you want to bow your heads, let me just lead us in a time of prayer before communion. Lord, what a Sunday to come to worship you. You are the living God. And you are at work in our hearts and in hearts all around the world. And this morning, God, we pray and we thank you for Jesus Christ, for your word and the work it continues, even to this very moment. Lord, on this Sunday, we thank you for the privilege of literally sending out hundreds and hundreds of shoeboxes, a part of Operation Christmas Child, each box representing perhaps the only gift that this child will receive, but with it comes the great gift, the gift, the gift of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, to know him, the living God of the universe. And we pray, God, there would be just a widespread turning and a harvest for you. We thank you, Lord, for our veterans, for their service and their sacrifice. God, we ask for your protection for all those who protect our freedoms and our way of life who protect us. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege it is to remember Jesus Christ. And so as we come to communion, Lord, 
we're asking that you would foster that, just the deep sweetness of fellowship with you, that you would grow and develop our commitment of what it means to be a follower of Christ as we remember him in communion. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.